Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden, back on the mics less than like 12 hours after Ovi and I recorded the recap to Atlanta's season-ending loss, 48-17 to the New Orleans Saints. It was embarrassing. It wasn't what anybody wanted. And as we learned bright and early Monday morning, it resulted in the end of Arthur Smith's tenure as Atlanta Falcons head coach, something that everybody wanted in the weeks uh, leading up to the end of the season. Deservedly so, right? I know I have been very vocal uh, about my opinion that Arthur Smith probably should have been retained. That doesn't matter now. I'm, I was wrong. Um, I still think that, you know, I would have just liked to see what he could do with a, an established legitimate quarterback. Um, but it's ultimately his own undoing that they never uh, found that guy. Right. So I can sit here and say, yeah, I think he should have, he should have blah, 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 but he didn't. And we see now the, consequences of those actions. Uh, Arthur Smith, no longer the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. They have decided to retain Terry Fontenot. I will get into that a little bit later. Um, so no need to really go listen to uh, Ovi and I recap Sunday night's outcome unless you want to. And uh, We did get into a nice little debate about all of this. It's just now we know the outcome and Arthur Smith is gone. The Falcons will be moving in a different direction. And that is what I am here to unpack briefly for you guys on Monday morning. Arthur Blank is going to speak to the media and do his little State of the Union um, address at 4 p.m. on Monday afternoon. So Tuesday, I may have another show with um, somebody who is there and kind of get a little bit more of the lay of the land. But honestly, today my plan is to do just a real quick kind of like five things to know about what uh, the Falcons' future might hold, their decision to release Arthur Smith, what played into that. Just a little look back at how the last three years have gone, what led us to this moment, and then where the team goes uh, moving forward. So that, again, is the plan. Bright and early Monday morning, um, we got some big news to talk about it. So let's go ahead and get on into it. But first, with the NFL playoffs right around the corner and the NBA season in full swing, Bet Online has you covered with all the up to the second odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info available on both desktop and mobile devices, you can access the world's best wagering information at any time. So head to the website today to get into the action and see all the updated odds. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. So Arthur Smith is done. He first began his coaching tenure in 2021 and he became the first Atlanta Falcons head coach uh, in team history to finish with 10 losses in three consecutive seasons. So ultimately he goes out with a record of 21 and 30 after a third straight seven and 10 season. Again, I contend that not all the seven and 10 seasons are built the same. I think those first two years were much better and he overperformed and the team overperformed relative to expectation. And honestly, if if the Falcons had gone, what, three and 14 in year one and four and 12 in year two, and then they're seven and 10, is Arthur Smith still the head coach? He might be because that's significant growth. And then we would be sitting here saying, okay, Desmond Ritter's clearly not the answer, 
but the defense is great. You know, they still have some nice pieces. Go get a quarterback and we'll see what happens. That's just not how things played out. And context matters a lot in decisions like this. And when you have years of just what looks to be very stagnant development, then yeah, if you're an owner and you're Arthur Blank, you're going to say, look, you were brought here to compete immediately. We knew the financial limitations and compete doesn't mean compete for a Super Bowl. It just means be competitive. And the Falcons were competitive immediately. So that was kind of a a check in the corner of what Arthur Smith was brought here to do. It was short-term and then lasting success. And it's the lasting success. It's really kind of the buildup to that lasting success because they never found immediate success. They found success initially in the context of the lack of financial resources they had, the weirdness of the roster at that point, guys like Deion Jones and Calvin Ridley and Matt Ryan, and what do you do with these players? And I do think they navigated through that muck pretty well in years one and two. When it came time to implement their vision, again, they missed at the most important position. And so that, if you're Arthur Blank, right, you're saying, okay, well, where are we going? Nothing really, really changed here. You had your opportunity. You got all these resources. And then it was more of the same. So this is what Blank said uh, in a statement released by the team. He said, Decisions like this are never easy and they never feel good. We have profound respect for Coach Smith and appreciate all the hard work and dedication he has put into the Falcons over the last three years. He has been part of building a good culture in our football team, but the results on the field have not met our expectations. After significant thought and reflection, we have determined the best way forward for our team is new leadership in the head coaching position. So, Right there, I mean, blank saying in the head coaching position, again, leadership, I think that there were a lot of things that Smith did right that weren't on the field. Bringing guys like Calais Campbell and Jesse Bates in, I think there's a reason, I think Smith was part of the reason that those guys chose Atlanta over some other teams. But I don't want to overblow that because with a lot of new head coaches, you're going to get some of that bounce, right? You're going to get some players who gel with that coach. The coach may have cachet from what they did at previous stops. I remember, you know, Chris Long was a player in the lead up to the 2016 season. And ultimately the Falcons ended up getting Dwight Freeney, but it was that type of veteran player who had been somewhere and and not won at all throughout his career, a former high draft pick. Ultimately he ends up going to the Patriots, beating the Falcons and then the Eagles and winning a second Super Bowl. But I wouldn't be shocked if, if just because Arthur Smith is no longer here that the Falcons don't have any shot at at some of these bigger name free agents. So this point right here may ultimately end up being moot. But I I do think a testament to Arthur Smith's tenure was building up this locker room and kind of rehabilitating it in a certain way that the guys in Atlanta's locker room in 2023 felt very different than the players who I covered during my time from 2017 through the 2020 season. Um, So again, I, I think that the leadership aspects we can quibble with, uh, but in the locker room and building the identity of this team, I do think Smith did a good job, but ultimately that never played out on the field. And that's why he's, he's gone. Um, it was kind of quick for Arthur blank. I feel to, to make a decision like this when you consider, all right, Mike Smith was here for seven years. Dan Quinn got five and a half (laughs) years there, but, The key thing, and even going back to Jim Mora, those guys made the playoffs. 
And it was a different situation that Arthur Smith inherited, but he didn't really, again, overachieving in those first two years wasn't overachieving while we're in the playoffs, right? It wasn't the Houston Texans this year or the Cleveland Browns or even the run the Minnesota Vikings went on there for that stretch with Josh Jobs. Like all of those teams did face adversity and faced adversity at kind of the most important position. Minus Houston, which got that part right, all these other teams are having to overcome some serious deficits at the quarterback position, and they did so. And so I think that is a fair criticism of Arthur Smith to say, you look at a guy like Mike Tomlin, right? Has never had a losing season. He hasn't only had Ben Roethlisberger. (laughs) He's throwing out Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph, and yet they're finding ways to win games. And so that is completely fair and accurate. And I, I do think that the lack of even sniffing the postseason, because they've been in the mix, but not seriously. They've been kind of like hanging on, hanging around, not being in the mix and then fading down the stretch this year is probably what ultimately cost Arthur Smith his job. But the inconsistency, season to season, you know, changing your identity from really offensive pass heavy in year one to really run heavy in year two to defense heavy in year three with questions at quarterback, like, There was no continuity year to year. It never felt like there was really any cohesion or that vision, right? And I think it would have been easier for people to say, I know what this Falcons team is trying to be, but too often it felt a little disjointed. It felt, why aren't we using these guys? There wasn't a great reason. So all of that ultimately ladders up to Arthur Smith didn't get the job done. And it can be interesting to watch at times, right? I like his scheme. I like some of the play designs that he comes up with that shovel pass to Drake London probably should have scored a touchdown, but this is the NFL and the other team watches film all week long and they have great players over there too. And sometimes your best play designs, they don't work. And too often it did seem like Arthur Smith was trying to maybe outsmart the defense and doing so maybe outsmart himself. Just give your guys the ball, let them ball. And he didn't do that. So let's get into kind of five things to know about this decision. Again, kind of taking a trip throughout the entirety of the Arthur Smith experience and then what to expect moving forward. So as I mentioned, he's the first coach uh, to lose 10 games in three consecutive seasons. Part of that is just now we play 17 games. So there's a it's easier, I guess, to lose 10 games and still kind of be in the mix. Six and 10, you're totally out of it. Seven and 10, as we've found you can still be kind of in the mix of of the postseason race, at least in the NFC, which seems like it's been weak uh, recently. And I think that if we're going to put the quarterback position to the side for one second, because that obviously casts a large shadow over everything here. Second biggest thing is that he just never got these offensive weapons that they've been drafting involved to the level that everybody felt that they should have. And as the head coach, Who cares what everybody else thinks? He makes his decisions, but now we're dealing with the consequences of those decisions. And there is a world where utilizing these guys in kind of the right balance and keeping other players involved. If you're a basketball team, is it better to have two stars or five players who can all get buckets? I would argue that kind of that 2015 version of the Hawks team where you've got Kyle Korver, Damari Carroll, you know, Paul Millsap, like everybody who can touch the ball and score and is dangerous seems like that's a little bit more of the approach that the Falcons were going with. And everybody probably would have been okay with that. If you're like the 2016 Falcons and Julio Jones is still eating and Devontae Freeman is still eating. And then you can get a Taylor Gabriel involved. Then you can go to Muhammad Sanu. But 
you got to get your stars the ball first because they're stars for a reason. And so I would say Drake London has probably been the most consistently utilized, right? He has the most catches of any Falcons player over his first two years. He has the propensity for incredible athletic catches. I'm very excited for what his future will hold. And I, I do think that of all three of these first round picks in a new coaching staff, he's the one that may just be the most translatable and could be just anybody who comes in here. You can envision Drake London's role kind of in that offense still being impactful. Bajan is going to be very interesting because he's clearly extremely talented. His 71-yard touchdown catch, not the fastest guy in the world, but he manipulates other players' speed in a way that I've never seen or rarely seen. I have seen it before, but it's just he almost seems like in these five-yard windows, he moves at a different pace at a different time and tempo than everybody else, but he does so in a very smooth and fluid way. So he's clearly a talented player. His workload, down the stretch, it was better. He became more of the focal point. Why wasn't he that all year? His workload and his the vision for how he melds into this offense never jived with selecting him as highly as they did. And so again, nobody's disputing that he's a good player. What was the opportunity cost in selecting him as highly as you did and looking at some of the other players, a Jalen Carter who goes just a couple picks later, like, could you have added a an impactful player and still gone in with Tyler Algier? Absolutely, they could have. So even though Bajan is great, what does the future hold for him? They're, they're obviously going to keep him here in Atlanta because he's on a rookie contract and a great player. But you know, if you're a new coach coming in, you're kind of like, man, would I have rather had a star corner or would I have rather had you know an, another right tackle or what have you instead of now I got like two good running backs? That's a great place to start, but. I think you get my point. And then finally, Kyle Pitts is is the most egregious. He's got six touchdowns in his career. One touchdown in year one, two touchdowns in year two. He's sent trend, three touchdowns this past season. But he's averaged under 47 yards per game so far in his career. That's crazy. I mean, after second only to Mike Ditka as a rookie in terms of yardage, that has really, really dropped off. I know he was hurt last year, and it seemed like that injury did have an effect on him uh, in year three, at least for the early part of the year. But still, he is supposed to be a little bit of the crown jewel in this offense, and he's not been utilized at all. And when you've gone to him, he has made plays. He's just not making these overwhelming plays. He's clearly not able to um, transcend the offensive scheme that was put in place. So we'll see if another scheme is going to feature him Instead of asking him to say, all right, like, here's how we're going to use you. If you get the ball, great, or overcome it, beat your guy, and then you'll be open. I think that an offense that really says Kyle Pitts is, is our guy definitely would be welcome here amongst the fan base. And probably, you know, you may feel a little bit of a different vibe from Kyle Pitts. You may see a little bit of a different bounce in a step. I I would be really curious to to see what he looks like next year because you got to unleash this kind of Ferrari that you've just been keeping in the garage. But as as much as everybody was worried about and, and griped about the usage of, of these three offensive, um, you know, explosive players, they didn't get the quarterback position right. And ultimately, that's why Arthur Smith is gone. And... If you look back, they inherited Matt Ryan... Then in year two, the whole Deshaun Watson debacle, you turn to Marcus Mariota. I got that at the time. It's somebody who had worked with Arthur Smith 
on the fly, they had to get somebody in here who kind of knew the um, playbook a little bit more. And I give Smith a lot of credit for revamping the offense and building it around a mobile quarterback in a way that was effective. And they did get a lot out of their run game by utilizing their numbers advantage, which Marcus Mariota helped them provide. And then you move to Desmond Ritter and it just, they tried to expand the passing game. They wanted more of that balance because I think they saw the limitations of just being really a run first offense last year. And in trying to expand that, they trusted the wrong guy. And, you know, they tried to get this thing going and blend in more things. And Desmond Ritter ultimately couldn't handle it and he couldn't hang with it. And you just saw too many of the boneheaded mistakes. So all of the quarterbacks, that the Falcons used. I've totally forgot. They had like Josh Rosen <laughs> in the mix as well. At one point they combined for 54 touchdowns and 41 interceptions. Their success rate in 2021, 45.4, 2022, 44.7, 2023, 44.2. So you see the success rate of your quarterback was dropping off in each successive season. So again, they never figured out the most important position, which brings me to my second point. Quarterback position has to be the plan. You know, whoever Arthur Blank is going to be interviewing, they're going to be asked first and foremost, all right, what's your plan at quarterback? Is it to bring in a veteran? Is it the Robert Sala route? And you're going to say, look, we're going to build up our defense and then we're going to go find Aaron Rodgers and we're going to plug him in here. And so do the Falcons say, all right, we want Dak Prescott. We know that that's our guy. We're doing everything we can go to go get him. Or is it Justin Fields? You know, there, there are veteran options that could be available if you feel that this roster is really just kind of a plug-and-play quarterback away. However, I think that it's more likely that the Falcons now will look to the draft because a new head coach is going to have a little bit of a longer leash to work and develop a rookie quarterback than Arthur Smith would have because Arthur Smith needed, if he was retained, needed to win in 2024 where exactly what happened would have happened a year later. So now that he's gone, it's a little bit of a clean slate and your quarterback decision, now there's you know, it seems like more possibilities. And I still thought the Falcons were going to look very seriously at all of the rookie quarterbacks, even if Arthur Smith was here. But now, like, that should be the approach. Go get yourself. If you think Michael Penix, Penix is the real deal, go get him. If you think Jaden Daniels is your guy, trade everything and go get him. Because again, the Falcons roster seems like it's in a much better spot to the point where maybe you can be a little bit like the Seahawks in the early part of the 2010s. And Get a young Russell Wilson in here who can manage the ship and almost do a little bit of what the Falcons, I think, wanted to do with Desmond Ritter. You just got to hit that guy. And that's not a guarantee by any means that they will now just because Arthur Smith is not in place. But if anything, it shows how urgent the most important position in all of sports really is. So third point, looking at kind of the possible candidates and... I don't have any inside information on any of this. Frankly, like coaching searches, that's not like my reporting forte. I'm not going to be the guy to look to and say, sources say that this person is on the Falcons radar or all that. Because frankly, I expect everybody to be on the Falcons radar at some point. Everybody is going to be tethered to the Falcons in a report on Twitter at, at some point over the next you know month or so. I have been through one of these uh, in the offseason after you know 2020 and in the lead up of the Arthur Smith search for AtlantaFalcons.com. So I remember writing a lot of these kind of informational explainers about, you know, uh, Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot or Joe Brady or Eric Bieniemy or Brad Holmes out of uh, L.A. And 
it is interesting. It's going to be a very fun time. I would expect them to kind of narrow this stuff down and for at some point us to hear maybe like five real names that are on this list that the Falcons are looking at. Um, but I do have a short list here in front of me, but they're all names that everybody's heard, right? Bill Belichick, Jim Harbaugh, Ben Johnson, the coordinator for the Lions, Antonio Pierce, the interim head coach over in Las Vegas, Eric Bieniemy, former uh, Kansas City offensive coordinator, now Commanders offense coordinator, Brian Callahan, Bengals offense coordinator, Ajiro Evero, the Panthers defensive coordinator, Brian Flores, the Vikings defensive coordinator, and then Bobby Slovic, the Texans offensive coordinator. So, I mean, that right there, like that's a decent long list. It's all names that have been connected everywhere. Like I expect the Falcons to just be in the mix for any of these names that pop up. So if there's a coordinator fired or if there's somebody who's doing really well, like just go ahead and attach them to Atlanta because they should be overturning every single rock. But right now, my gut feeling again, not reporting anything. I have no reason to expect this, except given how it went with Arthur Smith and, and even Dan Quinn before that, we, saw before they hired Dan Quinn that they were really, really in on Rex Ryan. And it made sense given Rex Ryan's kind of track record. I do think he's a little bit of a higher profile coach, which, you know, I think matters a little bit to blank blank wants fans in the seats. He wants to have attention on this franchise. He does want to win, but it's a little bit if he wants all of that. And if you go after a big name guy like a Harbaugh or a Belichick, that's going to have a lot of cachet at the quarterback position or at the coaching position while you try to build up kind of who is the other face of your franchise, whether that's a quarterback, whether that is Kyle Pitts exploding, all of that stuff. If you can come and get a, a coach to maybe be that main voice and be the star of the show for a little while, that could be appealing to, uh, to Arthur Blank. And so obviously that's going to come with the whole package. Who do these coaching uh, candidates want as their offensive coordinator? Who do they want as their defense? Are you hiring a culture or scheme guy? There's a lot that the Falcons have to figure out because they went with a head coach slash play caller a couple of last times, right? Dan Quinn was the play caller initially for the defense before turning it over to Raheem Morris and then Jeff Ulbrich and all of that. And so do the Falcons want to take another approach with Arthur Smith and say, we're hiring an offensive-minded guy, you know, we're hiring Bobby Slovic, but what he does really well is call offense, so we want him to do that here in Atlanta. Or do you say, no, we want more of a CEO coach who's going to come in and have his two coordinators and really just manage the whole operation? They got to decide that. They got to figure that out because you do have a guy in Ryan Nielsen who looked great in year one. Is the next coach, do you want him to try to keep that defense coordinator? Or is this a total clean house situation as it often is when you make a head coaching change? Um, so when we look to the next candidates, there are a lot of questions <laughs> that the Falcons are going to have to ask. And, you know, blank Rich McKay, they said that they're going to call in, you know, a, a few trusted advisors in the blank family of businesses, Terry Fontenot. They really need to figure out what matters to them. What do they believe is the best path kind of immediately because this is a different situation than the one that the Falcons were in when Arthur Smith was hired. So it's going to be a little bit of a different feel to this coaching search. Um, I think there are a lot more questions. In a weird way, the plan was clear in 2021 because you were so confined salary cap wise and roster wise that they just kind of had to dig themselves out from under that pile. But they have. So this one is going to be really interesting. The fourth one, Terry Fontenot being retained is important in this one. Because if you're going after somebody like a Bill Belichick who has said that he's 
you know, open to or reportedly open to having some more input on the kind of general manager side of things. He's he's had a lot of that autonomy in New England, obviously, over the years. Said he's open to a different little vibe, but he's still under contract for New England. So right now, we don't know if if that's the play. And I know a lot of people, yeah, they're on one side of the fence, right? You either love Bill Belichick here because you view him as the greatest coach of all time. And I, I don't disagree with anybody who feels that sentiment. Or you say, nope, it was all Tom Brady. He hasn't been able to build a quarterback up around it. He just hires his guys, has them in, in-house and his staff. Do we just want to do things the Belichick way? That seems honestly miserable <laughs> a little bit. So there's really two minds uh, on this, and I, I think that that's interesting. Um, so would Belichick be willing to work with somebody like Terry Fontenot? I don't know, but I don't disagree with a lot of the stuff Terry Fontenot's done. I think he's done a really good job since being the general manager here in Atlanta. You have found some of these under-the-radar players. Bud Dupree turned out to be a pretty good signing this offseason. Jeff Okuda, I know he didn't kind of ultimately put together this season that everybody was hoping he would. Early on in the year when you were starting out 2-0, he looked great. Mike Hughes had a nice strong finish down the stretch. D. Alford, like, I know I'm just naming secondary guys, but we could say Nate Lamon, LaCale London has played decent snaps. The Falcons have been good at, I think, finding some of these lesser-known players. Caden Ellis, a great example as well. And bring him in here. So the talent has not been the issue. And for a lot of reasons, I think talent coupled with the lack of increasing wins over the last three years, because the talent has undoubtedly increased. That's why Arthur Smith is gone. But you wouldn't fire the guy who bought all the groceries if you're like, we're getting fresher ingredients, but the meals aren't getting any better. I'm not going to fire the guy who's buying the groceries, because if you can look at each individual ingredient and say, yeah, this is a much better piece of product that we than what we've been working with previously. But again, the meal is coming out the exact same. I'm going to look more at my cook than I am at the person who is buying all the groceries. So that is why I think Terry Fonda was here. I agree with that decision, but it's a little bit different than what Blank has traditionally done, where he has touted the co-team builder, co-roster builder type of mindset. They did have Terry or Thomas Dimitrov with Mike Smith initially in 2008. I think Thomas Dimitrov was calling way more of the shots when it came to building the roster initially under Mike Smith when they chose to keep Thomas Dimitrov and release Mike Smith before the 2015 season. And then they brought in Dan Quinn. That's when you really started to hear the co-team builder mindset come out and you started to hear, okay, we're working in unison. It was a little bit of, all right, Thomas, you know, we've kind of gotten into this spot because of some of the actions that that you've had as well. Ray Edwards, most notably, but prior Jerry, like, all these misses. So we're going to rein you back in a little bit. Now Dan Quinn has more autonomy. You're going to try to support his vision. That did work ultimately, right? Like in 2016, they they looked really sharp. They built a lot of talent and it fit the mold of what Dan Quinn wanted. It's just that the NFL changed and I don't think Dan Quinn adapted properly. And so the players, while they fit, the scheme no longer was successful in the league. Will you see something more like that where does the next head coach who comes in and usually that guy's going to have a little bit more juice because they don't have any of these negatives on their resume yet. Does that trump what Terry Fontenot now is is trying to do? Are they going to work together or is Terry Fontenot still going to say, look, my track record here is great. Like, <laughs> I'm getting guys. Have you seen Nate Lamon? Have you seen what Zach Harrison was doing down the stretch? Like, leave me alone. I can do this. I'm just really curious to see what that 
relationship is going to look like. And it's one of the things I think that I'm most interested in about this coaching search, because again, I think Terry Fano and I know Ovi feels the exact same way. You can't really quibble with a, a lot of the stuff, but again, he is partially responsible for everything that's gone on at quarterback as well. So it does just boil down to that position. But, and this is my final point, my fifth point about the Arthur Smith firing the Falcons are in a much better spot for whoever comes in here as the next head coach than they were for Arthur Smith. In 2021, when he assumed this role, again, you had a really interesting and weird team. You had Matt Ryan, who was definitely on the decline. And as we saw, you know, with the Colts and a lot, like he's out of the league now. That was not that long ago. So he was on the, you had an aging veteran quarterback who was already in place, being paid a ton of money. You had this roster that, needed to be overhauled because you had so many scars on a lot of the players on this team. And I kind of think that, again, they did a little bit of an admirable job wading through the muck, clearing off these contracts, taking these hits early instead of pushing things down the line. And then that allowed you to have this big boon and free agency where you totally revamped your defense. So whoever is coming in next is going to get a unit that has a Jesse Bates, that has a David Onyemata, that has a Grady Jarrett, that has an A.J. Terrell, even though A.J. is not coming off the best game uh, to end the season. And then you look offensively, they've got Drake London and Kyle Pitts and Bajan Robinson. You still have Chris Lindstrom. I think Matthew Bergeron had a pretty good rookie year. You've got John U. Smith. Well, John U. Smith, uh, you know, may not be around, but you've got players like that. And the new coach will have their vision and they'll add their guys as well. And I wouldn't be shocked if another number two receiver comes in here or something like that. But I think you guys get my point. This is not an empty cupboard. This is a team that feels like it is potentially just a quarterback away. And I think that's going to have a huge influence on this coaching search. And I, I think that this, unlike a lot of the teams that find themselves in yeah, you know, the situation to be looking for a head coach, especially the teams that fire a coach in season or on Black Monday. A lot of those teams are looking to start over and rebuild similar to where the Falcons were a few years ago. Falcons aren't in that spot. So if they feel like they can go get a guy, you know, the equivalent to an Aaron Rodgers uh, coach wise and just say, we just need a guy who can come in here and from day one fly this plane and get us to the playoffs and more. That's a different spot than a lot of these other teams. And it's going to make it very interesting. Is a coach going to come in and try to work with what they have? Because I've seen different versions of that too, right? Steve Sarkeesian said, hey, what the Falcons were doing under Kyle Shanahan, that worked. I'm not going to try to mess with the formula. I'm going to try to learn what the Falcons do well. I'm going to try to learn Julio Jones. I'm going to try to learn Calvin Ridley and Tevin Coleman and these guys and get them to work. I thought he did a pretty good job of that. But obviously, it's different when you're playing with somebody else's deck of cards than your own. But the Falcons have done so much investing on the offensive side of the ball in a very particular style that if you want the coach to get this team off the ground quickly, it might make sense to go with somebody who's more familiar with that style. These are all complicated, nuanced decisions. It's why NFL coaching searches, a lot of times they go wrong. And a lot of times you do get some of these coaching um, firms that are searching, conducting these researches. I don't want the Falcons to do that. I need them to kind of know exactly the type of person they're trying to bring in here, exactly the culture, the, the connectedness. Like, are they going in with an old, established, grizzled guy who can come in and command the room? Are they going with a young Mike McDaniel type of guy who's going to come in here and connect with the players? I don't know. I don't know. But they are not far off, and they have two incredibly important positions or incredibly 
incredibly important decisions at the quarterback position and at head coach this offseason. And ultimately, those two choices will make or break probably the next like two or three years for this franchise. That's just how the NFL goes. But this team is in a better spot than it was in 2021. So even though they are sitting in a position to need to go get another head coach and need to get another quarterback, Falcons aren't far off. And so all offseason, I expect us to continue to sit here and say they can compete. Now, what are they actively doing to increase their chances that they can do just that? So we know that the next time the Falcons are competitive, it will not be with Arthur Smith as head coach. Again, I've made my feelings clear on that, but that doesn't matter anymore. He's gone and we can move on from this. So that's where we are. Um, Again, Arthur Blank will speak at 4 p.m. today to the media. I will probably have somebody on later this week to talk about that fallout, what Arthur Blank said, where the team goes next, um, because there's a lot of interesting stuff to come. But that will do it for me today. Again, please go check out the uh, the podcast that Ovi and I did, because we just kind of talk about the collective state of the Falcons after a really embarrassing loss. But I just wanted to get something up, uh, given the news that came out bright and early Monday morning that Arthur Smith is fired. So Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, today's podcast was presented by Bet Online. Check us out wherever you listen to your podcast. Spread the word. Check out our YouTube channel. I'll see you guys next time for you know more news about the coaching search and about the future of the Falcons organization. But until then, everybody, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.